everyone. My name is Amelia Andres. I am the pro bono manager at Volunteer Lawyers Project. I am joined here uh, with my colleague, Colin Hornsgate. He is the staff attorney for our bankruptcy unit. So I will be doing a brief overview of Volunteer Lawyers Project and our program, and then I'll turn it over to Melissa. She'll uh, be doing an overview of GBLS's uh, program, and then uh, Colin and Todd will be speaking on the specifics of our bankruptcy units. So who is VLP? So Volunteer Lawyers Project, uh, we are a civil legal aid organization in the greater Boston area. We've been around for over 40 years. Um, we were originally started as a pilot project with the Boston Bar Association. It was started to see um, for all of the eligible clients in the greater Boston area, were there enough legal aid resources to assist them? The answer is no and has continued to be no. The only way to close the gap between legal aid eligible clients and legal aid resources is to work with the private bar. VLP's model is considered to be a pro bono project. And our main focus is to recruit, train, and mentor private attorneys to do pro bono work with us. We have a very small staff. We have eight full-time staff attorneys and two part-time staff attorneys. And all of the cases that we work on are civil, uh, civil cases. So we do all civil legal aid uh, that you would normally think of except for immigration. So we have uh, units in housing, family law, guardianship, and bankruptcy, consumer appeals, wills, healthcare proxies, wage and hour, unemployment. So really everything but immigration. And currently our busiest units are our housing and family law units. And so we offer uh, mentorship and all of our staff attorneys are well-versed in the areas of law that we uh, practice in. And they really enjoy working with private attorneys to help you do your pro bono work. That is where uh, we thrive and engage the private bar. And in order for uh, us to serve uh, our clients, they must meet three criteria. So they must be uh, low income, and um, that's based on their income and their assets. Um, and for low, low income for us is based on the federal po poverty guidelines, which means uh, they're 200% below. Um, which is equal to all of the states except for Hawaii and Alaska. So even though Boston's cost of living is higher, that doesn't make them more eligible for our services. And so uh, we screen all of our clients for eligibility, both for their income assets and then their status as well. And the reason for that is VLP is funded uh, about 80% by the Legal Service Corporation. And because LSC is a federally funded um, organization, they do place some restrictions on the clients that we can serve and why we have to ask for that eligibility requirement. So we do ask our clients if they are citizens or lawful permanent residents, 
or if they fit within an exception category. And exception categories can be anything from uh, domestic violence, SILEs, trafficking, um, certain like agricultural visas, um, anything along those lines. And the Legal Service Corporation is the largest funder of legal aid in the country. And Volunteer Lawyers Project is the um, primary LSC-funded program in the Boston area. And the third thing that we screen our clients for is to make sure the case fits within our priorities. So each year, our board votes on our priorities to determine the needs of our clients in our community. So that's based off of not only the clients that we've represented from the past year, but also the call center that we run, um, Eastern Region Legal Intake, um, which we talk to approximately 13,000 people each year. And they, they really know the needs of our community and what those needs are. And so that really helps inform our priorities um, that, the vote, that the board votes on each year. And those are the three ways uh, to determine uh, client eligibility. So income and assets, status, and case priorities. And as a pro bono attorney with VLP, what we provide um, mentorship and support, uh, VL, uh, MCLE vouchers, um, we provide uh, interpreters because uh, many of our clients do um, fall within the uh, lower English proficiency, um, malpractice insurance, free trainings, um, meeting space, and uh, luncheon in various events. So that's a brief overview of VLP. I will go ahead and turn it over to Melissa at um, GBLS and she will give an overview of their program. Thanks, Amelia. My name is Melissa Gonzalez. I'm the pro bono coordinator at GBLS. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you to the BBA for having us. Um, and I'm happy to be here uh, with the Volunteer Lawyers Project, uh, which is an organization that we work with collaboratively in many different ways. So today I'll be speaking briefly about GBLS as an organization. And I'm joined by my colleague, Todd Kaplan, who's a senior attorney in our consumer rights unit. Can you, next slide, please, thanks. Uh, so who's Greater Boston Legal Services? Uh, we have over 100 uh, poverty law attorneys and paralegals um, that serve over 12,000 people each year. Uh, last year in 2020, we served about 12,500 clients on 14,550 matters. We are primarily a direct services organization, but we have a small pro bono program as well. Go ahead, Amelia. Our mission is to provide free civil legal assistance to low-income people uh, to help them secure the most basic necessities of life, including uh, housing, uh, safety, and economic security, uh, freedom from unfair debt collection, healthcare, uh, immigration relief, among other things. So we work in many different areas of law. Um, and in addition to legal advice and counsel, representation in court, referral and technical assistance, we do also impact uh, advocacy. Go ahead. So as Amelia mentioned, the demand, the, the need for uh, legal aid far is far greater than the ability of organizations uh, like GBLS to meet and, and BLP to meet this need. And so 
pro bono is one of the ways in which we really can expand our ability to serve clients. And it's a great need. You can see here that 60% um, of people who are eligible for services are turned away due to a lack of resources. Um, and it's, it, 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 it's a great return on investment for our state of Massachusetts. There's a, there's a, for every dollar spent on legal aid, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts return on investment is two to five dollars. Um, so you can really make a difference uh, by um, accepting pro bono referrals, uh, not just in someone's life, but in the ability of the legal community to meet the needs out there. So who do we serve at GBLS? 64% uh, of our clients are women, 84% are people of color, about a quarter of our clients are people who speak, speak limited English, who are limited English proficient, and about a fifth are people who are elders or over 60 years old. <laughs> now overall, bless you, to qualify Sorry, for our services, <laughs> Uh, clients uh, must be below 125% of the federal poverty level, which is 33000 about $33,000 a year for a family of four. But we do have some exceptions, and I'll talk about that. So our funding model uh, is, it, it does give us the ability to serve clients without federal funding restrictions. Uh, so for, for example, we have a large immigration unit because we can serve clients regardless of their citizenship or immigration status. Um, we have flexibility on the income cutoff that I mentioned before. Uh, we, because our funding allows it, we can consider other circumstances, including disability, domestic violence, vulnerability of household members. And for example, for elders, we don't have an income cutoff. Uh, typically, we even even when we are considering these other factors, given that the, the need is great and again uh, is greater than our ability to meet it, we typically do um, only take clients below 200% of the federal poverty level, um, as which is the same cutoff that that VLP uses. Uh, uses we don't have um, strict asset limits. Um, but again, we, we take all of these factors into consideration. And in all cases, when we, uh, when we take on a client, it means that they cannot afford a private attorney. I don't know if you'd like to add anything else, Todd, about that now or? So, um, no, I think that, that it's important to think that, uh, what, what do these numbers actually mean? And Melissa mentioned one of the numbers, but we can go up to, you know, $25,760 for a household of one. Um, but, the, and that's the same number that, that BLP has that, that, that limit, but there's, they have a strict limit where if somebody is slightly above that number, we can serve that, um, household, that household of one where VLP actually can't. So, so that's one of the reasons that we both exist is that we are serving slightly different populations and, and also the fact that we don't receive the federal assistance that restricts us. Thanks. Yeah, that's one of the many reasons that we work collaboratively with, with VLP. Um, I'll speak a little bit about this, but I, I will come back to this. I think um, when it comes to our pro bono program um, and, and what you can expect from us, um, this particular bankruptcy pro bono referrals are gonna be a little bit different than the other pro bono opportunities that we offer. Like any pro bono opportunity, we offer malpractice insurance, we screen clients for eligibility, we you know, you can, we'll provide conflict check, conflict check information. 
But unlike other pro bono projects, for this project, we are really seeking attorneys that have prior Chapter 7 bankruptcy experience uh, to and, and are willing to accept pro bono referrals from us. Um, again, we're, a, we're a primarily a direct services organization and our consumer rights unit doesn't have uh, the, the capacity uh, to um, provide the kind of training and mentoring that we normally do for our pro bono projects. So for this, we're looking for folks with experience in this area. Um, but we'll come back to this. I'm going to pass it over to Colin Hornsgate at BLP to talk about bankruptcy. Thanks, Melissa. Um, so uh, hi, everybody. My name is Colin Hornsgate. I'm a staff attorney at Volunteer Lawyers Project in our uh, consumer unit and in our bankruptcy unit, which at VLP is uh, two separate units. Um, our consumer unit uh, mainly focuses on debt collection defense, um, whereas our bankruptcy unit uh, focuses on helping people get set up uh, to do to file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. So oftentimes the client will start out in the consumer unit where we're trying to help them with various debts that they have, but maybe we're not successful, maybe um, the, their client has too many debts or too many cases, uh, where is it where a Chapter 7 bankruptcy becomes necessary and desirable for that client. Um, so I, I, I don't know who's on the call right now, whether people have a lot of bankruptcy experience or some or none and everything and whatever level of experience you're coming at is really okay. Um, but for those of you who may not be familiar with bankruptcy, it is a process under federal law designed to help individuals and businesses get protection from their creditors. Um, we at VLP and I believe GBLS, although Melissa and Todd, collect, correct me if I'm wrong later, but we only represent individuals. We don't represent uh, companies looking to file for bankruptcy. Um, and as Amelia was talking about earlier, uh, we have very strict income limits where we can only assist people at 200% of the federal poverty level or below. And unfortunately, given our strict uh, guidelines, if somebody's at 201%, there's really nothing we can do to help them. Um, we don't have any exceptions to waive income limits. Um, bankruptcy is designed to give people a fresh financial start. Um, and the options for consumers are Chapter 7 bankruptcy and Chapter 13 bankruptcy. So there are some very important differences between these two bankruptcies. Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which VLP does, is a liquidation bankruptcy. All of a debtor's or a client's debts are forgiven in a Chapter 7 if those debts are qualifying debts that they can discharge in bankruptcy. Some debts are not uh, are dischargeable, such as certain types of taxes, um, uh, alimony or child support obligations, uh, cr uh, some criminal justice fines are not dischargeable. Uh, but all of the debts that are dischargeable, the common ones are being, uh, 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 or I left out student loans are hard to discharge, although it's possible sometimes. Um, but one of, the, I think the most common thing that we see for people coming to us are credit card debts and rental debts for, for, for back rent that they haven't paid. Those would be dischargeable in a bankruptcy uh, or in a chapter seven. Um, so what happens in a chapter seven bankruptcy is somebody files a petition saying, I want these debts discharged. Um, a trustee who sort of manages the bankruptcy case examines the person's assets to see if anything is available to pay creditors. 
And at the conclusion of the case, if everything goes well, the debtor receives a discharge and all of their debts that they asked for are forgiven. It provides people a ton of peace of mind and our clients are very appreciative when this is able to happen. Um, chapter 13 is a little bit different because it's a reorganization bankruptcy where a debtor submits a plan to repay their creditors um, all or part of the money over a three to five year plan. And at the end of that three to five year plan, the debtor receives a discharge. I think on a national level, unfortunately, only about 33, 35% of chapter 13s are actually successful. A lot of people end up, don't end up actually completing their plans. Um, but I think with a good, with a good attorney, somebody who's there for them for the whole case, uh, they can, they probably have a bigger chance of success. Um, and you might be thinking, well, why would somebody do a chapter 13 when it sounds a lot harder when they could do a chapter seven? Well, for a chapter seven, there are income limits. So unless somebody is very, very poor, they can't do a chapter seven. Um, also, sometimes people are behind on their mortgage or their car payments, and chapter seven is not available in those situations to be able to discharge the debt and retain the asset. So chapter 13 is the better option for that. And the thing I wanted to get to is that VLP only does chapter seven bankruptcies. We do not do chapter 13s. There are a lot of reasons for this. Unfortunately, if somebody is not eligible for a chapter seven, they're usually also not eligible for VLP services given our income limits. Um, we also have uh, we, we also have issues where um, we have to report case numbers and whatnot, and we have to close cases within a certain period of time, which doesn't make doing Chapter 13s um, an option for us. Uh, luckily, we have some excellent partners and experts over at Greater Boston Legal Services with the private bar and at Harvard who uh, will sometimes accept cases where a Chapter 13 is more appropriate. And likewise, GBLS sometimes will send Chapter 7s to us, and we are happy to get them and um, so we only do chapter seven bankruptcies. So um, there are advantages and disadvantages to bankruptcies, uh, to bankruptcy in general. And this is not a presentation where we're gonna go into a ton of detail about the substantive law about bankruptcy. Um, that's a whole other five hour training, right? Um, but I think these are important to keep in mind when you're counseling clients and considering whether a case is appropriate for bankruptcy or, or some other level of assistance. When somebody files for bankruptcy, something called an automatic stay goes into effect. And this is what clients are often after because it prevents creditors from seeking to collect debts on, uh, that, that are listed in the bankruptcy petition. Um, uh, another obvious advantage is that bankruptcy will discharge most debts. Um, and uh, people have a right to cure certain, um, certain defaults in a bankruptcy. And there's also these things called exemptions. And I think this is one of the big misconceptions out there about bankruptcy, which is that you can file bankruptcy and keep most of your stuff, right? Like you don't have to give up all your, you don't always have to give up your house. You don't have to always give up your car, your, um, your IRA, your pension, your bank accounts. Um, or in Massachusetts, your militia uniform or the pew in your church because the law was written in you know, 150, 200 years ago. Um, so that's good. You can keep a lot of stuff in bankruptcy. 
Um, some debts are not dischargeable. Um, student loans are hard to discharge, although I, I don't want to perpetuate the myth that they're not dischargeable because they are, but people have to meet a very stringent standard in order to discharge them. Um, uh, certain taxes are not dischargeable. Income taxes are dischargeable, but only if they meet certain criteria. Um, another disadvantage is if the property is not exempt, you know, maybe a person has a car that's worth $30,000 and they may not use it to get to work. That car could be taken in a bankruptcy. Um, the impact on the credit rating. Chapter seven, stay on your credit, stay on somebody's credit reports for 10 years. Chapter 13 is, I believe, stay on for seven years. Um, there's also the stigma of bankruptcy, um, which is, I think, not should not be underestimated because there's a lot of shame that people experience when they file bankruptcy. Um, although I, I definitely encourage clients that not to not to feel that, and but it's easier said than done, I think. Um, potential discrimination. Um, in many cases, it's illegal to discriminate against people who file for bankruptcy. Uh, but of course, if somebody's applying for a loan, um, those private creditors are, are allowed to assess and they should assess that person's credit worthiness. So the, um, they may not be able to get loans in the future or for a period of time. Um, and of course, there's the concern about future debt because the bankruptcy does not include debt that somebody may include uh, incur in the future. So um, the life of a VLP bankruptcy case, and I think a lot of our volunteers want to know, well, what does VLP do and what do we do? Uh, and, that, and that's a great question. So I kind of summarize it here in this slide, which is the debtor or the potential client contacts VLP through our call center, through a clinic or through another referral. They get in touch with us. Um, we do an intake with them and make sure that they are eligible. If they, and our pro bonos have nothing to do with this stage of the case. This is all VLP staff. If the debtor is eligible, they become a VLP client and we agree that we will uh, look over their paperwork and refer out their bankruptcy case. So um, what, what, what is told to the client is that VLP staff are not generally the people who file the bankruptcy for them. It's a pro bono attorney. VLP, so this is where our amazing paralegals and interns come in, is that they gather most of the paperwork necessary to file the bankruptcy case. This includes tax documents, credit reports, leases, mortgage documents, and there's always some weird thing that comes up like somebody has a life insurance policy, but you need it, you need documentation of all of this person's assets and income. Uh, VLP staff will write a referral memorandum summarizing the facts of the case, the client's debts, and we'll try to flag any unusual issues in the case. Like, by the way, this person has some tax debts, which you might get some pushback from the IRS about their dischargeability. What we will then do is we will refer out their bankruptcy case to our panel of volunteers, which we will hope that you will join if you're not a member of it already. And you will let, and, and, Amelia, and Amelia does that. And you will let Amelia know that you wanna take that person's case. Um, so that's kind of a life of a case in six steps. Yeah. Uh, so then what do you do? Um, you will respond that you or your firm would like to take on a client's case and run a conflict check. You'll review all of the documents and the referral memo that we send you. 
Um, you can sign a retainer with the client using your own retainer or VLP's three-party agency agreement, which allows you to share information with VLP. If you don't use our three-party agency agreement, uh, we will ask you to get a release from your client that allows you to share information about the case with us. Um, at some point, you'll meet with the client, either in person or over Zoom these days, and explain the bankruptcy process and answer their questions. Um, you will be responsible for drafting and filing the bankruptcy petition, attending the creditor's meeting or any other court dates in the bankruptcy case, and give us give us updates every 60 days or so. Um, we kind of want to know what's going on with cases. Um, when we see cases go more than 60 days without notes, we want to make sure that um, you filed the bankruptcy petition or if you or if you haven't, if there's probably a good reason for it and we want to be able to get updates and assist you in whatever ways we can. So, and then once the client receives a discharge, send us a copy of a discharge and case over. We close the case on our end. We'll probably ask you some questions about how much time you spent on the case, um, but that's, that's really it. So throughout this process, uh, we do want updates from you, but we also want questions from you if you run into any uh, weird issues in the case that you need assistance on. Um, when you get the file from VLP, it will have a, a bankruptcy questionnaire, which is just a about a 15-page document where the client answers questions about their debts, um, bills that the client has, credit reports. We try to get at least, we will get at least two, sometimes three credit reports for the client. Tax documents, income information, um, uh, usually a Westlaw people map, so a background check and asset investigation report, and any other secured uh, secured debts like mortgage or car documents that they have. Um, basically, uh, what we're trying to do is we, 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 we won't promise to send you every single thing you'll need for the bankruptcy case, but we do try to send as complete a file as possible to you and do the investigation before referring the case. Um, so that way you can get to work immediately drafting the bankruptcy petition um, rather than trying to collect documents. Uh, when you meet your client, introduce yourself, explain your role. Um, you can say that you can obviously give your name if you're with a firm, uh, that you're a private attorney taking the case pro bono with VLP or with Greater Boston Legal Services. Uh, make your client feel comfortable. Um, let them tell their story. Uh, I, think, I think as attorneys and, and we, a lot of the time we get very caught up and we think we need to we need information and we know what that information is that we need, but you should also let the client tell you their side of the story as well. Um, explain the bankruptcy process, gather any additional paperwork you need, and give them a list of papers they may need to provide you as well. And I'll let Amelia take this slide because I think this is her, her area. All right, so next steps to volunteer with VLP. At the end of our presentation, Melissa and I actually have a form for everyone to fill out. I hope you are interested in not only volunteering with VLP, but GBLS as well. Um, so there's several different options, um, being able to take on a case, attend a clinic, um, provide advice to clients, attend any of our trainings. If you're still um, unsure if um, joining our panel is the right, um, right move for you, um, you can reach out to my email. It is uh, eandries at VLP 
net.org um, and I'd be happy to set you up with all of our required trainings uh, before you get started and officially join our panel. But again, Melissa will be dropping a uh, survey in the chat. Please uh, fill it out and we will reach out uh, shortly after this presentation. And I will. Somebody asked a question. We can hold it. What Todd and Melissa? What do you think? No, why didn't you go ahead and ask? I think it's okay. okay. I'll answer it for VLP. And and um, uh, so um, somebody asked, do you provide access to the form slash schedule preparation software? At VLP, we can do that. We use Next Chapter. And if you are a private practitioner and may not have your own bankruptcy filing software, um, we can set you up with our software that we use as well, which is Next Chapter. So the answer is yes. Unless you already have it, which, <laughs> but if you don't, we can provide it. Great, thank you. I think, Todd, I don't know if you'd like me to, I wanted to come back to this. I mentioned this briefly before. Thanks, Colin. Um, the process is going to look uh, in some ways similar at GBLS, but in, in some ways different. Um, I wanted to come back to this because I think for, uh, again, we're, primarily a direct services organization, and we do have pro bono projects in which we provide training and mentoring and support. But for this particular project for bankruptcy pro bono, um, we, it, it's, it looks a little bit different than our other projects. So like uh, BLP, we provide malpractice insurance for pro bono attorneys. We can provide an interpreter if one is needed. Uh, we screen clients for eligibility and can provide conflict check info. But we don't really have the, the capacity in our consumer rights unit to provide the kind of training and um, support that VLP is providing for their cases. So we hope you'll still consider taking pro bono referrals from us, but we are looking in contrast to other projects where many of our pro bono attorneys don't have experience in that area of law because we can train them and mentor them. For this project at GBLS, we are really looking for attorneys who have chapter seven bankruptcy experience um, and who are willing to accept these referrals from us. Um, I'll let Todd speak a little bit more about that and, and also perhaps uh, talk about why, why you should consider, I think as, as attorneys, you're uniquely qualified to make uh, an amazing difference in someone's life, um, but I'll, I'll let Todd speak to that. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's good to think a little bit about why um, this is really life changing for a lot of our clients. The what's what's this has been accentuated and kind of really brought into focus by the the COVID era. Um, our clients, a lot of them live on the edge. They live paycheck to paycheck and they often um, get overextended. Um, they're offered pretty freely credit through credit cards and other you know, even though um, paycheck uh, advances and paycheck payday loans are illegal in Massachusetts, they're still available over the internet. So there's there's a lot of opportunities for people to overextend themselves. And if we think about this as a, through the racial justice lens, we we know that people in uh, people of color uh, and people who have disabilities often don't have the same access to family support and wealth that will let people or help people ride through drops in income or and that what the, that's what we're seeing right now we see so many people who have um had a drop in their income through no fault of their own so what we're anticipating and we're seeing is a rise in demand for bankruptcies where people just have 
used credit cards to survive and pay their bills and, and pay for food, whatever they need. And they're now emerging from, um, hopefully emerging back into their jobs, but they still have this debt that's hanging around their necks. And uh, I want to give one example of this, that, that we had a recent client who uh, was, is a homeowner and he had uh, some equity in his house. And he also had a little bit of cash in the bank to take care of unexpected home repairs. And as you know, uh, VLP is restricted program. They have pretty restrict restricted asset limits. So a household of one would be $5,000 in cash. Uh, so if you have you know, $6,000 like this client had, he uh, was not eligible for VLP services. But he does have this equity in his home, and he was quite overextended on credit cards trying to survive as he started having issues with um, his site. And he was trying to hold on to his job. He was doing some consulting. And finally, he just had to let it all go. And his only income was um, from social security disability income. And that is protected income, but his house is was, there was, you know, as Colin mentioned, there's some exemptions, but if you have slightly too much uh, equity in your home, then uh, that would not necessarily be protected. So in order for him to, to know that his house would not be seized, um, he needed to file bankruptcy. And uh, it really, really was life-changing for him because he was able to stay in his home, he could survive uh, and, and uh, keep in his, in his home and not have to look for other housing. And he was also able to discharge this debt. But as, as Colin mentioned, it means that he won't be able to access um, credit in the future or very, very restricted access to credit. But for him, we knew that he would be able to survive on his disability income without uh, this threat of um, to his house and his home and his life. I did want to mention a little bit about, uh, so, so that's kind of the kind of where we're sometimes able to help some people that, that VLP can't. And that is often very, very low income people who have overextended uh, into credit card debt. Um, we wanted to mention just that, you know, if you do have questions, you can either put them in the chat or into the uh, Q&A box. And we want to say that, that one of the things that differs about our process for, for accepting or referring you cases is we do, just kind of like via VLP, I'm sure, we do kind of a pre-screen where we're determined, we're sitting with a person uh, now online or on a phone and determining whether, what does bankruptcy really make sense for them? What is their goal? Like, like Colin mentioned, if their primary goal is to discharge taxes that are due, most likely that's not gonna be possible. So, but we'll do some analysis of that and to see, well, you know, maybe there are, you fit within one of the exceptions where um, taxes are dischargeable. Um, so maybe we can meet your goal, but oftentimes we're gonna work with that person to figure out does bankruptcy is, make sense? Because um, as Colin mentioned, it has its, its, its pluses, you know, are you gonna be able to save all of the assets that you want? Um, your home, if you have a home, 
uh, a car, you know, whatever you have, are you going to be able to to hold on those to those things? And if you're not, what do you, what are what are the risks of you losing something? So we we try to value those things as much as we possible and guide people through the process. But after that, we figure out whether bankruptcy doesn't seem, indeed seem to make sense for the person. That is kind of the place where we would be referring the case out. We're not going to be able to do that 15 page questionnaire like like VLP does, and we aren't going to be able to do the kind of gathering all of all the other information that people might need. But uh, we are able to provide what we call a combined credit report. So we'll be able to provide that. And if you do have best case software, we'll be able to send that to you in a form that can be uh, imported into best case. If it is a question about access to software, I am going to need to find out whether we can give you kind of like a one-time or limited use license. We do have best case licenses and we're now actually able to use it remotely or they're actually coming out with a, a remote access function. It's usually based um, resonant on your computer. So as that opens up, um, we definitely um, want to see if that that if that's an issue for you. But for many experienced bankruptcy practitioners, it's not an issue because they already have that. But I do want to emphasize that we, unlike VLP, we're not going to be in a position to um, kind of mentor or walk you through issues um, that that you know. In, although I should say that if it comes to a point where you're saying mm, I really can't take this case and it's it's there's some things that have come to light in this case that are just make it too complicated for me that is we're hot where we can take it back because we do have some in-house capacity and as as we colin mentioned we actually do chapter 13s as well so it turns out that there is an issue with um a uh, they 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 didn't really understand that they were behind on their mortgage payments or they have a car that they were behind their payments. Those are things that, that would force them into a 13 and if indeed they wanted to retain those assets. So we could theoretically uh, take those cases back. But I think it's important to understand that GBLS just like VLP will not take a case where somebody actually can afford private counsel. Well, that's we're we're so stretched thin already we're not going to take a case where someone can actually afford private counsel but i i should emphasize again that we have you know for example for elders we have no asset limit um so so if somebody is is basically house rich and cash poor um and struggling um then then you know or they have a little bit of money set aside uh, for emergency repairs on their home, let's say $6,000 or $8,000, and it's actually cash that can be liquidated, they would be, oh, and they're a household of one, they would be definitely over VLP limits, but we would accept them. So there's some different criteria, but I think that the point here is that we're, we're all trying to serve extremely vulnerable populations, and we really need your support and help in, in expanding our pro bono um, panel because that we we currently uh, certainly at GBLS we have people that are in need that that are on a wait list, and we really um, need your help. Um, but as I just want to add one last thing, as Colin kind of mentioned, there are ongoing 
you know, uh, trainings that we can, we have uh, videos of them that we can probably access. The BBA has done some trainings that are extensive kind of how-to trainings. So if you're in that category where you need more um, training in this area, th that is available. Um, that said, um, I, uh, I think we're open to questions. We have a really good question in the chat, which is, any advice for attorneys looking to take on student loan cases on a pro bono basis? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we are, we, we at VOP are definitely looking for, for this issue. We have a couple cases now that are, aren't quite ready for referral, but um, they, do, they do involve student loans. Um, um, so yes, if you are interested, if you are interested in taking on a bankruptcy case where student, where the person wants to discharge student loans, um, please sign up on the form that Melissa um, sent in the chat, and um, we'll make sure that um, you get added to the uh, panels for GBLS and VLP. Um, one thing to know about student loan cases, at least on VLP's end, is if um, we will do, if the person wants to discharge student loans, we will do a preliminary analysis of whether that's even possible in in that case or whether it's just definitely not going to happen if it's definitely not going to happen we won't be uh, we won't be referring the case out for student loans but if it looks like the person might be able to get a discharge um, based on their future earning capacity disability uh, whatever um, that's it might be a case that we would refer out and we are happy to have people who are interested in taking those kinds of cases I might add um people might have heard about some recent litigation around student loans in the bankruptcy courts um, and the, the bankruptcy appellate panel that uh, it, 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 there is some movement amongst the judges, especially Judge Bailey, who has uh, basically put up a green light saying, I want to hear student loan discharge cases. He uh, has made that very clear that, that he thinks that people are being much, much too conservative and not um, bringing these cases. And um, I think that there's some real opportunity for people to help um, open up the doors on these cases. Again, they're not every case and, and there's some bad law, out, bought, bad, excuse me, bad law out there. But uh, I think that there are a category of cases that people are being too conservative about in accepting and pushing. And uh, the judge, at least Judge Bailey, has said, I want to hear these cases. Um, and Todd, I know we recently were emailing about a case involving taxes where we thought, you know, the precedent was too too restrictive for the for the debtor based on what I interpreted to not even be in the statute like, got um, requirements not even in the statute it'd be it'd be nice if there was some movement on that too but um, oh. I know there's a I believe it's a first circuit case which dictates the precedent so yeah yeah um, I do want to say also that there the attorney general's office has um, provided some support around uh, student loan discharges. So, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's going to be um, trying to figure out, you know, which cases would probably go over to GBLS, BLP, or to the Attorney General's office. And, and in fact, there's the Harvard also has a student loan office as well. So it's kind of not clear. In fact, we, we're currently working on um, 
for uh, disability discharges outside of bankruptcy. So we, you know, it's it's kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's the the right avenue for each case, and that's I think part of, you know, we wouldn't be sending something to you unless it made sense. Can I make another plug for something related to bankruptcy? Is is so, so much as um, a lot of the folks we see who end up doing bankruptcy have have obviously they have debts and sometimes they have active court cases. Both Greater Boston Legal Services and VLP have consumer debt projects and clinics where uh, we represent people who are being sued in small claims court and in Boston Municipal Court or District Court for debts. And a lot of the times the outcome of those cases are determinative of whether they will need to file for bankruptcy or not. Um, so I think volunteers to represent people in small claims court or district court or BMC cases is also appreciated. Um, if folks um, maybe don't want to take on a bankruptcy case, but want to represent somebody in a civil action. That's great, Colin. Thank you for mentioning that. And I think that if folks are interested in any uh, part of pro bono, they should contact Amelia at VLP and, and me at QDLS, and we're happy to give you more information. And the link is in the chat and it's the same link that we have up here this slide as well to sign up for the bankruptcy pro bono mailing list. This only means that you're open to considering uh, referrals from us. There's no obligation uh, from joining this list. All right, so I don't know if we're seeing any more. Um, we're going to give a probably a last call for uh, questions in the, in the chat or in the Q&A box. Um, but want to really, really appreciate all the. It's so hard, honestly, when you're, you're not in person. Um, you can't tell from the audience what's going through your mind or whether you know you're um, have questions. But we want to really encourage you know we, especially on the last slide here. Um, we have our, our the email uh, addresses for Amelia and Melissa and want to make sure that you do reach out even if you don't sign up if you have further questions we definitely think that uh, we can we can try and address them as well in, in person as well as um, here. Absolutely thank you everyone uh, for if you're here thank you for your interest in this work and for considering uh, referrals from from VLP and from GBLS. Thank you, everybody. Um, hope to see you soon. <laughs>